love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with the other one of your hosts, Haley Chura. And Haley, I'm sitting in like a sweat box of a house right now because there is an East Coast heat wave that has been just really hounding us for the past few days. And I feel, I don't know, I feel like can you see the sweat dripping off of my nose? Like as we've been talking no. a little bit before, I feel like I'm getting perspiration beads and stuff like that. And it's just been, it's been a little bit of a, a suffer fest these last few days. And I would like to tell everyone who's training on the East coast right now, keep in mind the humidity and the heat factor. It's like altitude. You have to dial your efforts back. You have to not look at your Garmin paces. You have to just train based on effort and give yourself a lot of patience and grace, because that is what I have been reminding myself these last few days. It's been, it's been a rough few days. I have to admit. Wow. That is not how it's been here. It's been like on Saturday, our high was like 68 degrees Fahrenheit. And then so like nice. yesterday, when I, started, <laughs> yesterday when I started my ride, it was like 47 Fahrenheit, but then it does warm up. I think we're gonna have a high at like 92 today. So I guess it's still warm here, but we don't have the humidity. Um, but no, it's been like super, I've had like a very, very nice summer here in Montana, but you talking about this, uh, this heat wave in that part of the country gets me a little nervous. Cause you're not that far from Mont-Tremblant, Montreal, Canada. And I'm like, ah, no, I need a nice day there. Don't worry though. It's supposed to break soon. Um, just in time for me to head to race in Scotland where weather will be like opposite. We're going to like swap. So, We're yeah. going to swap. I know. <laughs> so that's um, perfect. Yeah. A lot of travel for us, uh, co-hosts here on the Ironman podcast co-host. So wait, so, okay. Scotland, what's happening in Scotland. So I am racing Itera Scotland. It's a five-day expedition adventure race, uh, over in Scotland. And that's about all I know. No, I'm just kidding. So this is actually fun. Um, with adventure racing, you like know the disciplines, right? So this disciplines that were listed was like paddling and ocean kayak, like two man person, two woman, two, two people kayaks, um, trekking running and mountain biking. So like, you know, that going into it, but there's always the liberty of the race directors to throw in extra segments. And so the extra segments won't ever be something you need like a certification or like a specific skill for, you know, if it's something that does require skill, they, if they haven't like told you about ahead of time, they have to have people there to kind of walk you through it and do it safely and all that stuff. So they're not going to make you skydive. Um, exactly. On notice. I, well, I mean, I hope not, um, but <laughs> unless they think you could do that safely with no training, which hopefully is not the case because Haley, so then about a week or so, it depends on the race, but like in the days before the race, you at some point get the schematic, which kind of lays out the disciplines. Like it tells you how many stages of the race, like an approximate distances that each stage will take or each stage is, and then like time for like a fast team and a slow team, you can estimate this. So that way it helps with your packing. It helps with your like food prep, all of the, you can like just get further organized for the race, but Haley. My point of view, tell, me telling you all of this is like things were going well. My prep was going well. Well, two things. One, I found out that there, the second stage is a 35 kilometer paddle. 
This is like my nightmare. So there's 120 kilometers of paddling for both short course and long course. So in adventure racing, you can do short coursing things, which means like, you're not going to clear the course. You're not going to get all the points. So you start to like pick and choose and you do essentially a shorter version of the course. But he clearly said like, no matter short course or long course, you do the whole 120 kilometers of paddling and stage number two looks like a 35 kilometer paddle. So I, I mean, my arms already hurt thinking about this. I am not sure how I'm going to do this, but some of it's going to be at night at times, Haley. So it's also cold and rainy, which we kind of touched on in Scotland. And so I panic purchased a dry. So you could wear a wetsuit for the paddling to keep yourself warm. But the only thing I was like, this still sounds freezing to me, like paddling in a wetsuit through the night with it's raining, blah, blah, blah. And I do not want to, you know, get myself frozen out of the race. So I panic purchased a dry suit and Haley, let me, we have video now that we record. So maybe we can pull this video and show everyone on our Instagram. This is me in my dry suit, trying it on. I mean, it looks like like Scottish fashion. I mean, to me, that's what it looks like. I think it looks like an astronaut Smurf, basically an astronaut Smurf. And I like it's it. So uncomfortable, Haley. It's like so tight on your neck, obviously, to keep the water out and your wrists and ankles. Um, but I mean, hopefully it keeps me dry and warm. That's a, it's a means to an end. So anyway, there's that. But then my second I'm point. Wait, I'm trying this. to do the math real quick on this. So 120 kilometers, is that like 70 miles ish? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. I did have, I will say, okay, Alyssa, I'll say this that like one of my athletes, Katie, if she's listening. Um, I don't take credit for her paddling, but she does do some like competitive paddling. I don't coach her on that, but, um, she just did one that was like a hundred miles with her sister. And she has told me that swimming does help. There is some like transfer. I don't know if you've been swimming much. Well, we did ramp up the swimming since, uh, my run in the white mountains for sure. Because I was like, oh, this upper body, like the first time back in the pool, I was like, yeah, I've lost all my upper body strength. We need to get this back stat. So that's definitely been something I've done and I, I feel better. And I've been practicing paddling. Like now I force myself to go practice, but I will say I definitely have done a maximum of two hours. I have not been doing 20, 20 miles or whatever at a time. So it's going to be interesting, but the next most exciting part of this whole thing. So towards the end of the race, there's a surprise stage and Haley, the race director puts it on the schematic. And he calls it the trouser filler stage. Oh no, trouser filler. What are you filling your trousers with? So of course Water? I'm like, holy, this means we're pooping our pants because it's such a scary stage, right? Oh, I but thought you were like Matt, walking with like water in your Okay, trousers. so Matt thinks it's like wading through a swamp, but I'm like, I think this is going to be like some kind of like epic thing that's like scary, but it's safe, right? But like scary. And so now I'm just, yeah. Oh, I, I think wading through a swamp. About, I go to bed thinking Which actually about trouser sounds scary. Filling. I know. <laughs> Yeah. Wading through a swamp does sound kind of also, scary, but yeah. like, and also if your trousers got full, I mean, have you ever, I mean, you probably have like jump in a pool, like fully clothed. Not fun. It's hard. Not no, fun. It's not so, fun. um, anyway, it will be exciting to find out what that all is, but, um, mostly that's been my life panic purchasing things to make sure I am warm and dry. Um, and how many people are on your team? four person team. So three men and myself, and they have all done this race actually in 2019. So I felt good about that commitment to race with them because they have a little bit of experience with that and kind of know the logistics of how this race will work and and things like that. So, and you said um, it's five days, five days. Yeah. So we start Sunday afternoon and I think we're ending Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the extent do of what you, I know. Do you sleep? 
Um, I mean, is that is like question? Do you sleep more do than something like four hours? Yeah. So okay. maybe. Um, I'm hoping we do. <laughs> um, the plan is to. I think with a 2 p.m. start, it makes it pretty easy to push through like the first night, and then at some point in that second night, maybe probably once it starts getting dark or you feel out people, if you wait a little bit longer or something like that, but you'll sleep a little bit that second night. Um, and I think it just depends a lot on team strategy for sure, but then how people are moving, how they're functioning mentally, like what kind of segments you're going into. You don't want to be like really in a bad place, probably going out on a 20 mile ocean paddle. Right. So you might grab some sleep before that or something like that, but I'll be able to, yeah, it's going to be, it's very unknown to me now. Um, but I'll be able to tell you all about it in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Good luck. And I mean, I'm glad at least you should be warm in that suit in your Smurf suit. Um, but you, I mean, you won't be warm. wearing a Smurf suit in, uh, Montemblant. I don't think no, I probably won't be my French pronunciation is probably not correct either. So I apologize to everyone of Quebec, Quebec. Um, I, uh, I am, I'm gonna go do another Ironman. I think I kind of alluded to it a little bit last week, but, um, I, uh, I had actually just a few weeks ago, I got off the phone with my coach and I was like, I think I'm at peace. I don't really want to do another Ironman this month. And then, or not this month, this year, <laughs> this month. <laughs> but, um, I, I was just like, I, again, St. George kind of hurt my soul. And I was like, I think I'm done. And then like two minutes later, um, my good friend, Betty Janelle, friend of the podcast called me and she was like, look at flights right now. And I was like, what? And then by the end of the conversation, I had booked a flight to Montreal and I had, um, booked a hotel room. Everything was cancelable. And she's like, just, just do it. Just do it. It's going to prices are just going to go up. And she's like, you can always cancel. I'm like, oh yeah. What is money? Let me just, uh, put it all out there. And so you're booking flights. I'm buying dry suits, Haley. I feel your pain for that. <laughs> we, we are definitely involved in some of the most expensive sports at this point in our career. So, um, I know. Thank you yeah. for our, our podcast sponsors. I um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah. So, and I, it was kind of one of those things like booking that like did change things a little bit for me. So then I did immediately like tell Matthew, I was like, Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, I might do this. And I see his credit. He kind of how I've trained the last like four weeks is just a little bit with like options. Like if we're going to do Montremblant, you know, we're doing a five hour ride with intervals. If you're not doing it, you get to do like cruisy two hour ride, which sounds delightful. Um, <laughs> so, I can't be given options like that. I, feel I, like know, that I know it was one of those things where I'm like, Betty, oh my God, I could do a cruisy two hour ride, be at brunch. I be feeling just fine. Instead, I'm doing like five to six hours of like intervals. I'm like, what have you got me into? But we, we all need someone like that in our lives. And I will say like, you know, the very beginning, I was like, this was a bad idea. Like I'm dying and it's gotten a little better each week. And now I'm actually feeling kind of excited. And I feel like the Ironman distance is definitely somewhere a distance that I, you know, I have some unfinished business. I don't know if it's going to get finished on this trip, but you don't know until you try. So, um, say la vie. Wait, is that French? <laughs> I think so. I love this. I think it's great. I have always wanted to race Mont Tremblant and have never made it there. So I will live vicariously through you heading there. I'm a little bummed because it is like fairly close, but I will not be around to be able to go hop, skip and a jump over and, and spectate or anything. So I'm sure hopefully Betty's going. I feel like sometimes Betty just decides where she wants to go race and or spectator race. And then it's like, Hey, let's go. 
I'm break my blow horn. So um, I will count on Betty for all the Instagram updates to catch up on from that. And uh, it's supposed, I mean, it's supposed to be an amazing, have you raced there yet? It's supposed to be an amazing yes. Ironman venue. So like going I back raced- there, I guess probably isn't a, you didn't have to, she didn't have to pull your head like too much for that. Yeah. I raced there in 2013. So it's been nine years, which is like wild that it's been that long. And it was one of those races that like I did love. And um, I felt like it was similar to quarter lane where I'm like, oh, this would be really fun to do the half here. Um, the full feels a little excessive, but that's always how fulls feel. Right. And, um, but I haven't ever done the half there because it's the same weekend as quarter lane. And you know, that race ha- the, has, has my attention, but I, um, I am excited to go back and see it again. And also being older and a little bit more experienced and a little bit more experienced to travel. I think there's a lot of things that I'm doing different that I learned from last time. And I'm like, oh, yay. I love learning from my past mistakes. (laughs) So hopefully I'm not repeating too many old ones, but, um, I do remember it. I remember it as like Ironman Disneyland is how I remember it, which is funny because I've never been to Disneyland, but, um, how I imagined Disneyland would be (laughs) if it would put on an Ironman, just, you know, ski village, everything's like so well organized right there. I remember the volunteers just being so incredible. I remember the road service being really nice. I remember the run just like being so well supported. And so I think that it is one that I'm, yeah, I didn't take that much, that much twisting my arm to get me to book that ticket and get myself to, to Canada. So yeah, let's see how it goes. Well, that's super exciting. And we all know your fitness was there for St. George. I don't think training needed to be like this big, long buildup. I'll be, I think maybe having it a little less pressure and like just kind of fine tuning some things, getting in a little bit more work was probably, you know, maybe just helpful because Ironman racing is stressful. So, um, but your fitness is there. I know it. I'll I be hope so for you from the Scottish Highlands. Thank you. Yeah. It's like your, you'll be like your post-race recovery. You can like tune into the Collins cup and then Tremblant and like, just watch other people race while you like enjoy some haggis. <laughs> yeah. I have heard about this haggis situation. So I think, yeah, well, I don't know. It's not high on my list to try while I'm there. <laughs> uh, but, um, Alyssa, well, with that, we do actually have an interview this week. So I, I think we can just jump right into that. Right. Cause it's a longer interview. We have two guests, which is always exciting. I love having two guests. We are talking to Leanda cave and Jenny Fletcher. And so many of you probably know Leanda cave. She's been a guest on the show before she is a four-time world champion. She won two I two world titles before she became the first woman to win both the 70.3 and Ironman world championships in a single year. She did that in 2012. And Leanda did officially announce her retirement from pro triathlon in 2018. And she now focuses on coaching. And however, though, she has not lost that uh, competitive drive. And just a few weeks ago, she finished as the second woman and second overall at Ultraman Canada. And so for folks who aren't familiar with Ultraman, it is a three-day stage race. This one in Canada happened in Penticton. It consists of, uh, three days. Like I said, day one is a six mile or 10 kilometer swim and a 90 mile or 145 kilometer bike ride day two. See, see, that's, that's less than your, your paddling 145 kilometers. She went <laughs> on a bike anyway. Um, this is the only way I know how anything with metric system, but, uh, day two, 170 mile bike and 276 kilometer that is the same thing. 276 kilometers or 170 miles is so much. I'm just wrapping my head around 170 mile bike ride. Have you ever done a 170 mile bike ride, Alyssa? No, 140 has been my longest. 
I think I'm maxed out 130, which I did with you. But, um, and then day three, because this just keeps going, uh, is a 52 mile run, 84 K run double marathon on day three. So it's a ton of racing. And this year at Ultraman Canada, four of the top five overall finishers were women. So just incredible showing from the women, incredibly, incredibly fast women's race. And so joining Leanda in this conversation, as I mentioned, is Jenny Fletcher, who is another pro triathlete. And Jenny actually served as Leanda's crew chief and pacer for, for this great event for all three days. So we talked to Leanda and Jenny about their relationship, both as competitors and as teammates in this Ultraman experience. And in this conversation, we do ask Leanda if she's qualified for the Ultraman World Championships. They'll be happening in Hawaii this November because as triathletes, we always love qualifying, right? And you got to get that Kona slot, even in Ultraman. And so you might remember that uh, we've had Didi Griesbauer, Didi Griesbauer on the podcast a couple of times, and she also qualified. She qualified back in 2019, and then the race is finally happening this year. No, she qualified in 2020, but the race is finally happening this year, 2022. And I am absolutely giddy at the thought of this incredible showdown. We have like Dee, Dee we have Leanda, we have incredible other women that have qualified. And this could just be an incredible year for women's racing at the Ultraman distance uh, in November. So since we have talked, uh, Leanda has set up a GoFundMe page to fundraise for the world championships that are, cause they're happening just few short months. So if listening to Leanda and Jenny talk about Ultraman inspires you to contribute and make this showdown happen, we will have that link in our show notes. But until then, enjoy this conversation with Leanda Cave and Jenny Fletcher. Hi, Leanda and Jenny. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. We, we love having two guests on the show. And so to kick off this interview and let all of our listeners hear your voices, we'd love to ask you both who you are and uh, where you are right now. So let's start with Leanda. Um, who I am? <laughs> like, uh, Leanda Cave. I'm um, a retired triathlete, but still currently racing. I'm in um, Colorado in a little area south of Aspen called Basalt. And Jenny, same question for you. I'm Jenny Fletcher and I'm currently in hotter than hell texas trying to survive these. um i've i think i don't know the last years i've gone in and out of what i thought was retirement as a triathlon but i keep coming back um one more race to do and then i say i'm done <laughs> and jenny since this is your first time on the iron women podcast we'll put you on the spot a little bit so can you tell us how you and leanda first met yeah, Leanda and I actually met, um, we were both sponsored by K-Swiss. I was still an amateur and we were brought in to do this K-Swiss event in Miami and we were put on a team together and that's how we met. And then eventually, I think the next year or whatever, I joined Siri and we were on the same um, training squad. Leanda, is that how you remember it too? Yeah, that, that's how I remember it. I think we were, yeah, Escape from Alcatraz, we were um, kind of... I think that was the first time we really like kind of hung out and chatted and um, kind of got to know each other a little bit. Um, gosh, I can't remember that year though. What, what was that, Jenny? Mm, what, it, was I pro or amateur then? Pro? I think you're still amateur. So maybe 2009. Yeah. Okay. So this is a long, long relationship. <laughs> um, we love having you both on. And Leanda, your professional triathlon resume 
is incredible. It includes two ITU world titles, and you were the first woman to win both the Ironman 70.3 and Ironman world championship titles in the same year, which you did in 2012. And as you alluded to in your intro, you officially announced your retirement from professional racing in early 2018, but we have seen you on the occasional start line. I think you raced the survival of the Sean Gunks or SOS triathlon in upstate New York uh, in 2021. You finished third there and most recently Ultraman Canada. So we're going to talk a lot about Ultraman during this conversation, but in general, how has your quote unquote retirement been? It's been fun. Cause those races are fun. <laughs> um, I have like, yeah, I, I still work out a lot. I still have clients I train, So that keeps me really fit. Um, so it makes it difficult just to like put my legs up and like relax. Um, and also I love working out. I love being outdoors and swimming, cycling, running. So I, I don't think that's ever going to end. And it just kind of though these races that pop up, I'm just, it's all just because like they sound fun and they're not like where I am really trying to win or push myself to the point of exhaustion, um, which really essentially was all about professional racing for me. It hurt every race. Um, it was, every race was punishment. Um, every race was pressure. Um, and now I don't get any of that and I can go and do these fun things, which also cost a lot of money, but they're fun. <laughs> And Leanda, when you get on a start line now, do people recognize you as the four-time world champion that you are? They do. Some, most do. There's also like this new wave of like athletes who have started the sport since I retired, who clearly have no idea what happened prior to, you know, their starting triathlon. So there's, there's, um, a lot of times when, you know, I'm amongst people who really don't have a clue and that's actually nice. Um, it's nice either way. Um, what I don't think, um, I think people, when they see me on the start line of races or competing, they think that I'm still this athlete. I was 10 years ago when I won Kona, but I'm not, I'm really not that fast anymore. So they feel somewhat like kind of, uh, pissed. Can I say that, um, that I'm even there racing at all, but I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a pro anymore. I don't like train like I do. And I, I'm certainly not, um, not trying to you know, win races and, um, and make a living from the sport anymore. So do you think that they're like offended or something that you're like using their, their races as fun races now, and like probably still beating handily, like most of them. Right. So I don't know. I wonder if they're a little bit like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope, I hope they don't feel like I'm like, you know, stomping on their territory. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I did it for a living for so long. So I've just, you know, I can never take away that underlying fitness that I've had from like 25, 30 years of being in the sport. Right. So naturally I'm going to always hold on to some of that fitness. Um, but in terms of like the competitiveness in me, I'm not trying to like go out and you know, win my age group world champion, be age group world champion in Kona or something like that as a retired athlete. That's not my goal. I think I it's great think to see cool. you and some of the other women. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll, you know, post-retirement, but just racing races. I think it, um, yeah, it sets a good example for other pros as they move through that. Like, yeah, athletics doesn't have to end when the professional career ends. Like you can still enjoy being fit and, and do some fun races. Yeah. I thought it was going to end. I honestly did. I thought I was going to sleep in for the rest of my life and, um, and not have to break a sweat, but 
<laughs> here we are. Here we are. And I've just discovered it's part of my DNA and that's what I'm going with. <laughs> and Jenny, you recently finished as a ninth pro woman at Ironman Des Moines, and you've posted about all your life changes in recent years. You just alluded to it earlier in this conversation and how now pro triathlon is kind of one of the many hats that you're currently wearing. So what does keep you motivated to race in the pro field? I mean, Leanda just talked about it as, as, um, a very painful Punishment. experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what keeps you going? It, that's an interesting question. Um, only because Leanne and I were talking about it um, over, over well, while she was racing Ultraman. And we kind of asked ourselves that same thing. We were talking about like how we just love to adventure and have fun. And a few years ago when I kind of thought I was done, I, I and then I started coaching and then you're training with your athletes and it's the same thing. Next thing you know, you're like kind of fit. And um, I think I've always loved the training aspect probably more than racing. Um, for me, I had a, probably a different perspective than a lot of the professionals. And I don't know, honestly, I still had my pro card and I'm like, well, why won't I like, just like go race, but with a different mindset. Um, it's, it's actually a little, I think harder because when you're not training at that level and, and doing the things that you used to do, because now my life shifted, it, it, it has been a bit more of a struggle this year where I'm like, should I be doing this? And then I just kind of like, well, might as well just have fun with it if you can as long as I can have fun and continue to like it's a lot of it's about training and just staying healthy and fit too but I don't know I get anxiety more than I probably did when I was racing full time into it all right I think it's time to get into some of the the good stuff here with this conversation so we want to talk about Ultraman Canada and Leanda what drew you to to that race first just to kick us off on this (laughs) Okay, so the story actually starts over a year ago in January 2021 when my fiance is like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you went for the Ultraman World Champs and had five world titles, one in all these distances? And I was like, I you know, pondered that for a second. I was like, actually, yes, it would. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'm looking into it a little bit more. What is Ultraman? I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know. That sounds a little intense. <laughs> Um, and then I met one of his friends who was an Ultraman triathlete and I was like oh gosh I can't do that like he was training so much all day every day I'm like no 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 I'm done with that I'm not that person anymore Um, and so I thought well uh, let me just see what I can do see how fit I can get without having to change much of my lifestyle like having to change meaning do more training than I really wanted to do because it's I think for me it's not what I didn't want to have to feel like I need to train. I just wanted wanted to do it, right? So I signed up for Ultraman Canada saying, all right, let's just like see how it goes. And that was last year. And then I got hit by a car door, fractured my pelvis, and it was all over. And then the organizers said, well, you know, you can postpone your entry to the following year. And I was like, hmm, all right, let's do that. So I postponed it to 2022. And... Then the organizer emailed me in April saying, hey, Leanne, are you still doing Ultraman this year? I was like, oh, yeah, about that. Um, and I was like, okay, I think let's just give it a shot. I literally hadn't changed a thing. My, my, I'm still doing my, my workouts with my clients. I'm still doing my like, bits and pieces that I enjoy. I wasn't doing anything more and still really didn't do anything more than what I enjoyed, right? And so I went off to Canada in like, 
July because now we're in August and uh, with Jenny in tow and we just kind of played it by ear <laughs> and that's the uh, longest run I did for this was 16 miles the longest swim was 3,000 yards the longest bike was 100 miles and that was it that really was and that's not all in one go that's over like maybe the last like three months I did so yeah that is quite impressive training <laughs> in, in a, um, in a like, wow. I mean, I, I guess it is like years and years of, of fitness that has backed you up. Like you said, and it wasn't your first, maybe your first rodeo at this distance, but not your first rodeo at racing. But Jenny, I want to chat with you for just a second before we get to Leanda's training that I'm like still stumbling over. Um, you obviously have an extensive history in the sport, but crewing for Ultraman seems like kind of next level for you. So what did you do to prepare for your role in Leanda's race? Um, actually, the funny thing is, and, and this is something that I love about Leanda, Ironman world champion and all the, all the accolades she has. And she, she messages me like, I don't know, a couple of weeks before we're supposed to meet. And she's like, I still don't have a time trial bike. <laughs> Can you bring yours? And we've shared bikes a lot before I've jumped on hers. Actually, she's usually, I'm jumping on hers. And I was like, are you sure you want to like just jump on my bike and ride 270 miles or however much it was and um <laughs> that was the best part about like how she just rolled into this race so I, we have to give her a lot of accolades for that because I was like I would never like just you know the you guys know when you're going from road bike to TT bike how different it was and it's I think it was cool because it was a lot of climbing so um well maybe it wasn't cool on my bike but um it helped to not be in TT position the whole time and honestly, for me, to it actually fell in perfectly with training because I have um, an Ironman coming up, and my coach was like, "You can do on the on the run day is like she's like you can go 30k." I think this is the first time I've really enjoyed my long run because it wasn't for me and it was with Leanda and I was having so much fun that I got to 30k, and I was like, I wanted to keep going and I had to stop, but it was just it was so fun to for me. I always loved training and racing to share it with people, so I thought this was obviously way more fun just to watch Leanda and, and join in where I could and kind of just be that team, like that team aspect to, to help someone reach their goal. I mean, that's kind of what made it really fun. And Leanda, now that you've done the race, how important do you think team chemistry is? And like previous experience asking people to crew for a multi-day event, like Ultraman, like, do they need to be, you know, super experienced and having done it before do you think that's important what about the chemistry aspect of the team well yeah I think that's the, the key is the chemistry like I had never had a crew for anything before um I've had people around me leading into the Ironman and things like that and um I think that was like my key um point when I asked Jenny to crew for me was like I need someone who's a good good friend and who can like hang with me and be with me through all my like ups and downs. And we've been in those situations before where, you know, we've, you know, we've not always um, been super happy, but like we've been trying to cheer each other up or one way or the other. So, you know, I, I need someone where I can be like raw and um, be vulnerable in, and also like be tough and strong around them as well. And someone who can understand those things about me and so Jenny was, even though I don't think, I don't know if Jenny's crewed for anyone before, but I, I just felt for me personally, I needed someone who was like that, that sort of 
like a really good friend. Um, and, and, and I, I didn't care really like if they knew how to crew or what they thought crewing was about. Um, and I don't think Jenny or I knew what that was actually about either way. I don't think I knew what racing this thing was about, to be honest. But um, I think that was like one of the biggest things. And then my second crew member didn't even know he was a crew member until the morning of the race. The race, I don't think he was just or Graham Fraser, as I'm sure you all know from um, you know, founder of one of the founders of Iron Man back in the day. Um, yeah, he, he I, we stayed with Graham, and that was about all he knew at the time. And now, uh, and then he's uh, he's driving us and getting us like to and from meetings and planning out, printing off all the stuff we need. and then he's like, okay, I guess I'm like crewing now. <laughs> and so he put on his crew shirt and then his wife got into it eventually. So, you know, for this, it was just, if I can just like, for me, this crew situation was like so fun. In fact, they want me to race again just so they can crew <laughs> again because they had more fun than anybody else. That is pretty great to have, you know, a good friend, same size bike, you have someone who knows the area really well, Graham Frazier, and um, just sounds like it came together. Jenny, was this your first time crewing? Yes. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously now you have the, you can, you can offer those services and, and your bike yeah. worked very well. Um, so Ultraman does start with a six mile or 10 K swim followed by a 90 mile and a 100 or 145 K bike ride. And Leanda, you just said that um, your longest swim training was 3000 yards, so not even 3000 meters, which is a lot less. And I, I mean, I, I think I'd seen that you posted, uh, that you had never actually swam 10 K before. So, but you did, you led, you led out of the water that first day. And I think even with the bike, you finished as the first woman and you're in second overall on day one. But my first question is sort of tongue in cheek, but how in the world have you escaped doing the triathlete 100 100s for your entire career? Well, I didn't hang around Hillary Biscay long enough. <laughs> oh, she, I think I was always busy when she had that on, um, on her birthday. Um, no, I never, I never swam more than like, I think my longest swim was like 9,000. Um, and that was with Greg Welch, funnily enough, like in Threadbow, gosh, maybe in the nineties. The um, but yeah, I, and for this, like I would swim maybe two or three times a week, 3000. Um, I knew it was going to be a wetsuit swim. So that helped but um again back to like the crew situation like um having like jenny nailed the crew situation um even though this was her first time and like just having someone like jenny like cruising along on a on a um kayak you know whacking me every now and then just kidding jen she just whacked me once <laughs> but um like giving me like food and like encouraging and I'm just like it's it's like I was alone but I had like one of my besties right next to me and um and it was it was so like it was fun like it was kind of like yeah I was the one doing the race but we were there the whole time together it was like kind of a team effort for sure and so how did you feel at the end of day one you'd done your longest swim ever you did a 90 mile bike ride which was almost as long as your longest ride in your training leading up to it you done both of those on one day and you knew you still had two more days. So how did you finish? How did you feel when you finished that first day? The first, it was rough. The second day was rough. It was all rough because the first day, yeah, my arms ended up dying at about like 
I don't know, four miles into the swim. And um, then, you know, you get sore, you get tight, you get like, you know, the, the tight neck and getting onto a foreign bike. Um, I just, I don't even ridden it for like two minutes last night before the race. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is not, this is kind of hurt. Um, and so I couldn't really like get into TT position. So um, with my shoulders being so sore, so I just was on the hoods the whole time. And, you know, I stopped quite a few times on the bike actually, just to, um, to have a like a bit of a rest and also, um, sorry, my dog. Um, and also just to stretch a little bit and um, refuel. But yeah, I wanted to get off the bike after that first day. Um, I was happy about that. Um, the second day was brutal. That was probably the hardest. Um, yeah, I, I suffered a lot. And I got to 110 miles on the bike on the second day and it's the first time I'd stopped all day and I was just so done and I just couldn't believe I had 60 miles to go. Jenny, as a crew member, you were providing aid for Leander and you were also trying to provide social media updates. So how tough was it to stay both in the moment for your athlete as a crew member and to keep up the like social media side of things and to let the rest of us know how things are going? That was some of the funny stuff because I was kayaking beside Leander and I'd stop her to get some fuel and stuff and, and my, my she's like sipping and then all of a sudden my kayak's like hitting her and so we we learned um I mean I actually love doing it I liked um being able to update as much as I could and I found that I obviously had more time just paddling we had it was a perfect day of of, of the water was like glass so it wasn't like a rough choppy kayak so I was actually just loving my day and adventure with Leanda and, and tried to update as much as I could and um the last day we didn't have service, so it was a bit bit harder. And I also didn't want to over update everyone. I'm like, how much do they want to know? <laughs> so I kind of spaced it out a little more over over the days. But it was actually more fun to it was fun. It was fun to be that that voice for someone while they're racing. I think we probably all would love that sometimes be racing and have someone be able to, okay, they've just passed mile, whatever. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say as a as a virtual spectator the more updates, the better, but Jenny, Leanda was talking about day two and how, you know, she, it, she was suffering, but as the crew member, did you ever have any like, Oh no, Oh no, I made a mistake kind of moments. Um, not necessarily. Well, the only mistake I was like, is she should be on her own bike, but no, I, I, I was always amazed at Leanda, um, mostly because no matter what, like at the end of the second day, when she finished, I kind of looked at her and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a walk, walk tomorrow. Like if we have to, we're going to do the whole thing together and we're, we're going to finish. But I mean, it was, it was a tough day just because of, of the, the amount that she was able to prepare and train and then also being on my bike. And I was just blown away by her uh, resilience and ability to like step it up every time. I mean, we had a lot of trial and error with on the run, like what should we feed her? We just had everything. And we, I'd run out to her and like show her stuff and she'd be like, no. And so then every time I went back, I made sure that I consumed all the stuff that Leanna didn't consume. So while she's busy burning calories, I was just consuming them. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've talked a little bit about day two now, and just for our listeners who might not know, day two is a 170 mile or a 276 K ride. 
And Leanda, you finished this ride in nine hours and 28 minutes. And at that point, we're the second woman and third overall. And we've seen you in some really epic Ironman battles, like making passes and being passed by some of the legends of the sport. So how did it compare an Ultraman when a pass is made? Well, first of all, I didn't know I was out there that long. It's a really long time. <laughs> um, it's 170 I, miles. It's a long ride. <laughs> well, on day one, um, the guy who actually finished first on day one, I was sitting at a fruit stand when he passed me. And I'm like, <laughs> bye. Um, second day, um, the, the, there was a few, there's a bit of a tussle at the beginning because we started as a group. Um, and it was weird. I felt like people were trying to race me. I'm like, it's an Ultraman. I'm not like going to be racing and I'm just going to like cruise and dial in my own pace. And I actually got stuck at a traffic light. We have to stop at traffic lights. And that saved me from doing something stupid, which was trying to race. Um, because you know, it's part of me, like I can't help it. Um, and so that they all went and then I just managed to like get, then get in my, my, my groove. Um, but we were, we were moving pretty fast in that, that first, um, 60 miles of the race and um and thankfully after that like the the everyone kind of broke up and end up having like some like you know peace where I could just like sit in my own zones and um and enjoy my own pace um so there really wasn't like this tussling going back and forth I knew um Amy who was um in second at the time was the stronger cyclist. She rode much faster than me on day one. So I knew that she was probably gonna ride or outride me on day two. Um, even though I did, didn't stop as often on day two as I did on day one. Um, and I definitely felt like I rode better on day two because I wasn't so sore from the swim. I still knew it was 170 miles. And I mean, my, the longest ride I've done in my life was 220 miles. And I just know like, if you cook yourself in that first half of the ride, then the second half is just brutal. So I was just trying not to be um, out of my comfort zone, um, even though like the last part of the ride was really, really, really tough. Um, and we actually climbed, we had 7,700 feet of elevation gain. So it wasn't like flat. It was, there was some nice climbs and um, some headwind and heat and, in the end rain we had everything and that, that after that ride like I've never been so sore not even after that 220 miler I did like this was like the worst I'd ever felt after a long ride and um, I literally couldn't walk up the stairs without holding on the the banisters at the hotel that night I was just so sore and I was just like there's no way I can run 52 miles tomorrow it was just mm, like that was when Jenny's like, yeah, we can walk it. Don't worry. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and, and that's literally what I thought going into the last day. I was like, this is going to be a walk. Uh, maybe I'll get some running in, but mostly walk. And, you know, that's, that's the funny thing. The body felt not bad the next day. Actually, we had um, Jenny's dad with us, uh, actually mum and dad with us, which was awesome. And her, her parents are um, chiropractors and her dad, um, did it like a little neck adjustment the night, you know, like that night after the ride. And I was like, oh, that make, makes me feel a lot better, actually. So maybe it was her dad's magic hands. <laughs> this is very full service crewing. I'm very impressed. But Leanda, I want to ask you one more question about your competitors, because you've written about kind of reflecting on 
your Ironman world championship win in 2012 and passing Caroline Stefan in the final miles and, and how much in, in reflection, how much empathy you feel for Caroline in her runner up finish. And so I'm curious about how your feelings about your competitors, if they've changed over time. The competitors in the past, like or just had, yeah, all or? of it, like when you're going head to head, I mean, it sounds like you are still very, very competitive, but it does sound like you have a very, a lot of respect for everyone who's out there racing with you. Yeah. I look at it. And when I was racing professionally, I had the utmost respect for my competition and, and mostly because I know that they're training as hard as I'm training. I know that they're, they're putting as many hours uh, in as that I'm putting in and, and they have the same work ethic and the same goals and like it just comes down to the race day and things going well something's not going well like it's the and there's always a, a small portion of luck that falls into place when you um when you have one you know those races um the highlights of your career and, and, and that's the thing like i i know that any one of those girls on that start list in kona could have won that day they've all worked as hard as me um, and then, and even the days when I lost, like I knew, like, I just didn't have it on the day. And, and again, I respected the girls who finished ahead of me because they did. Right. Um, and, and I have, like, like I said, Amy, um, I can't remember her last name. It's interesting. Um, who won the Ultraman um, overall, man, my God, like she totally impressed me. I was blown away looking at her. She's this tiny little pocket rocket. She doesn't look like, you know, like the athlete out of, um, you know, a fitness magazine. Um, so, I mean, by appearance, I, I wouldn't have pegged her to win. Um, but I know that she trained her butt off for this and she deserved to win. Um, she mentioned some of the training she was doing leading up to this um, at the award ceremony. And I was and I was almost embarrassed because I was so far off that athlete. Um, but she, she was training for this. And um, but then again, like I, I go back to what I said earlier. I'm I have like, you know, in me this like years of endurance and, and training that I can kind of lean on a little bit, um, especially going into you know any races that I do. So um, and she probably doesn't have that, right? So I I totally respected her or respect her and I respect everyone else just even starting this and some of the some of the athletes you know they know they're not fast but they know they can go all day and that's just what they do um so it, it's a different mindset this this sport it's like the ultra distance sport it's just you just have to stay mentally in the moment the whole time and I think that's sometimes hard when something in your body's like not playing game playing the game you know Day three. Now we're at day three. So it's a 52 mile or 84 kilometer run, a double marathon. And we think it was a pretty hot day that day that you were running. So Jenny, how does the cruise role change as the race kind of transitions from the biking to the running? I think this is probably our favorite part because we were able to, you know, when it's a bike, you can't be, we weren't allowed to really be there with her the whole time, right? We'd have to drive forward. 20 miles and then stop or whenever. Um, whereas in the run, we got to, um, we let, they started for a couple of miles and then I was able to join her at mile two and run with her, like I said, for 19 miles. And then after that, I switched with Graham and Graham went and did his bike while I sank or crewed and um, we would go every mile and we would stop and then I'd run a little back and 
and it went so fast because we knew that we literally just left Vianda and then she'd have us again and we were panning her stuff every time and um, I again I thought we were going to be walking I think I was most impressed because we didn't she didn't walk once except for to use the restroom and like I was like how's your feet and her feet were fine and her leg she didn't cramp so we we actually think we're the best crew but <laughs> but I also I'll give all of the all of it to Leanda because I was amazed at how she like you said she has years in it or she said she has years in it and it, she just rose to the, I could just see this this toughness that she had that you need an Ultraman and that was what I think I saw in the people that it's very elitist there's not many people doing it but in everyone that showed up it was just just this different level of three days and how strong you have to be in mentally to even do this or come in and raise something so that that they everything can so many variables can can happen through, throughout the race Leanta, you, you talked about your run and I think six miles was your longest training run leading up to this race. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think you have previous ultra marathon experience. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, but was that abbreviated training? Was that because of time? Was it because the injuries you sustained in your bike crash or was that just like, you felt that was the right about? Um, so I actually, I did the grand Canyon room to room to room once so that was the longest, um, that was probably also the way harder because of the um, the elevation gain and loss of that day. And that was a lot of walking. Um, but I knew so coming into this, I was like, okay, I got through that. I can, I can get through this. Um, but in terms of like what I trained for that versus this, I probably ran a lot more for the Grand Canyon run and this I didn't. And in part was because I had this shin issue that kind of, started flaring up probably five weeks before the race. So I did a 16 miler and then had this shin issue. So for two weeks, I will maybe more two to three weeks. I was just dabbling with like 30 minute runs um, just so I could like do a little bit. And then when I got to Colorado, I was like, I'm going to climb mountains and like try and go down pretty quick without hurting my shin, just so I could get some eccentric load. Um, because I knew like, this is what's going to start feeling like this is what's going to feel like, like when you at the end of a um, ultra, even the end of a marathon, your quads start giving way and things like that. So I just put a, a lot of like mountain hikes and kind of running, walking the way, my way down them to really like force that eccentric load on my legs. And it actually helped like the first few times I did, a, did these hikes, my quads were dead. Um, and then by the time I like, leading up to Ultraman, like the week of, I did my last one and I had no pain at all. And I think that was like the best thing that I did was like doing some of these mountain hikes. And I was out there for like, I think the longest one I did was six hours. Um, not nothing like ultra, but I think that was it. And then like, you know, I knew I couldn't go fast in this run. I was just kind of trying to go as slow as I could without like, feeling like I was going to end up walking and that ended up being like around a 9:30 pace. And Leanna, can you tell us about your finish line experience? Um, it almost seems like from the results, Ultraman Canada should be renamed ultra woman Canada. So was it a special place to be, you know, at the, the Ultraman finish line? Yeah. I mean, a lot of probably, I, I mean, I was, I was a little, I was exhausted, but I was a little teary and I was a little like, like um, just kind of, 
relieved to have it done and over with. And um, by that stage, my feet were killing me. Um, Jenny ran through the finish with me and it was like awesome because I think that was what it was about. Like having, uh, you know, someone who's helped me get that far, like finishing it off. Um, yeah, the, the run, it was just, I can't, I still don't believe I ever did that. It's like so insane. Um, I feel like that distance is something I never thought I'd ever be able to do and definitely not, like Jenny said, run the whole thing. Um, I think I was just like mentally trying to like do it in blocks of six miles. Like for the ride, I was doing it in blocks of 10 miles in my head, but for the run, I was doing it in six miles because it's every 10K. And I was just like mentally ticking six miles off and I'm like, it's a really long day when like six miles takes you around an hour. <laughs> um, and it's just this thing in my head. It's like, I, it's such a long, long thing. And yeah. And so I, I, yeah, getting over the finish line and, and a having like Amy finish way ahead of me um, was awesome. And she was still hanging around there at the finish line and the girl um, who finished um, second that day um, who actually didn't get an overall cause she didn't, um, finish one of the bikes but um she was there and it was just yeah like we were kind of like it, it was nice like it was just like we knew how to top it out and um and it showed and I think the fact that yeah I mean that was just a little like you know pun I made about being ultra woman and but um you know these races are like Iron Man it's always man and ultra man and and I do feel sometimes like, you know, it, it should be a league of our own, it should be like Ultraman and Ultra Women, and it should be Iron Man and Iron Woman, you know? So that's just what I feel sometimes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think those results, I was like, three women crossed the finish line, you know, first three people crossed that run finish line, like you said. Overall, it ended up that I think it's Amy Robitelli. Robitelli. Yes. I'm probably yes. pronouncing her name incorrectly. Overall winner. You were overall second. There was a man in third, but I think fourth and fifth were also women. I mean, it was ultra woman Canada for sure. And, um, I want to pivot to Jenny because I, you know, I'm tearing up as Leanne is talking about running across the finish line, the two of you together. Uh, how did your job continue? Cause I'm also picturing how good you've been doing so far as a crew. I'm picturing you had a buffet lined up. You had like a nice, like cold bath for her feet or something like that. What, what was your job, you know, across that finish line? What was that like? Um, it was really well running across with her was just special just to share that with her I know in some races you know you're not allowed to do that anymore but it, it was kind of like we felt like even though I didn't wasn't racing but to, to share that moment um when Leander crossed our, our goal was really to get her get her home and get some like feed her um <laughs> other than that uh she's strong and independent and and like just stood there and talked to a lot of people and graciously gave her time and then and then we headed back to um, Graham's house and there was, he has like this little pool and we went out to eat and yeah, it was just, it was actually just, it was kind of just a very simple, low key finish line and everything. And it just was like, yeah, just that moment that we got to just kind of, I just got her chips and whatever I could get her to give, give her more, you know, you don't want any, she didn't want anything sweet clearly, but um, it was like, what can I find that they had there that that was salty I mean during the race we were feeding her I don't know there were pepperoni sticks or something that Sue picked up and she's like these are good so we just kept handing them to her I mean whatever you want Leanda we've got it for you <laughs> <laughs> and so Leanda with that 
finish and performance as second overall, second female do, and you talked about this kind of foray into Ultraman beginning as a quest, you know, to, to go for another world title. So do we know if this qualified you? How does that work? for the Ultraman well, World Championships that's in Hawaii in November for our listeners who might not be as in tune. The organizers of Hawaii, um, like they want me there. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> it's very expensive. Um, and and I, I can't fork out what I've calculated to be about 20 to $25,000 to pay for everything. Like the entry fee, airfares for four people, accommodation for four people, a rental car, um, food. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. And maybe a new bike because I haven't got one. Um, so I'm toying with the idea of doing a fundraiser where any proceeds raised above my expenses goes towards charity. And that could be something that I could do because I couldn't just fundraise. It's too self-serving. I don't like I don't it's to me it, it's it has to be something bigger than me than for me to fundraise so um and and that's what I'm toying with right now because physically yeah I could probably do it um but yeah financially these things are a little uh, are expensive and yeah I'm I'm not earning a whole lot more than yeah the basic wage these days so <laughs> yeah I, okay. I, my first thought was GoFundMe because I don't think it's self-serving. I want to donate because I want to see this happen. Like this is my entertainment value. I mean, I, I would love it if extra went to charity. I think that's a very noble cause, but I am like, oh goodness, how do we make this happen? I mean, can the Iron Woman podcast, let us know how we can help. We can, yeah, we can keep put us this posted. together by the time this airs. Um, we can put this together. I feel like you ought to go for it. I mean, how fun would that be? Just, just again, for me to watch you, I don't know how much fun it'd be for you, but <laughs> I think it'd be so fun for me to watch. Well, I don't think we'll lose cell service on this one if we do it, will we, Jenny? So you'll get more more uh, updates on the run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Like service that, in Hubby yeah. is pretty spotty, actually. So you have to wait till you get out of there. But um, do you think that, you know, if the stars aligned, if, if things kind of pointed you in that direction, do you think you'll be? training a bit more for would you be training a bit more would you be inspired to or are you just happy to really continue like day-to-day -day life as is and not put yourself in that like ultraman training zone yeah I think I'd definitely do more run miles it's, the crazy thing is that this shin issue I haven't had it back and somehow I managed to get 52 miles in and not have any more issues with it so um so yeah I would probably put in a little bit more mileage running I don't think I'd change a whole lot swimming um Biking, I'll probably just do some more longer rides. I'm in Colorado right now, so it kind of lends itself to, to doing that. And um, yeah, when I'm, when I get back to Miami, I'm, I don't enjoy riding so much over there, so it's probably a little bit less. But um, but yeah, I, I would probably try and dedicate a little bit more of my time to training for this if, if the world's come, because honestly, I also don't feel like I want to enter and do this unless I have a chance of winning, um, because that's again, who I am. And the whole goal of this from the beginning was to try and go for a fifth world title. So I'd want to actually put in something more than, you know, you know, this kind of random training that I've been doing up to now to get me through it. I want to see a fully trained Leander Cave, Amy Robitelli, 
D degrees oh, yeah. power. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is going to be Bella Quiver as well, perhaps. She's racing to, oh, I don't know, man. but she, she raced in Perth last year. So I imagine she qualified, right? Wow. So. Oh, this could be well, you, so good. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Leanna, you have my bike. I need it for three more weeks and then you can have it. <laughs> so Jenny, Jenny, are you doing Tremblant? Is that what you have coming up? Yeah, I was um, originally going to do Ireland, but I started panicking with all the lost luggage and just logistically how expensive it was. And I was going by myself and I'm like, what am I doing? I can't like the same thing. I'm like, I can't afford all this right now. So I switched it to Montremblant because it's a little closer to home. Nice. I, I might see you there, um, which would be fun. Yay. But I do want to ask beyond Ironman, did crewing for Ultraman make you want to race an Ultraman or Ultra Woman? Let's just change the name now. <laughs> I would have to say that while it was going on my head was like this is crazy what are they like it's crazy right the same thing when you first think about even just Ironman but just actually sharing it with Leanda like I, I would I would say the same thing I said when I was going to do one Ironman and be done <laughs> like if I ever do an Ultraman I, I, I thought of it it would be one and done like I don't need to go to the <laughs> to keep doing it to like better myself it'd just be like just to do it to say you've done it because it is it's a pretty insane accomplishment and it's um you know something that I couldn't throw together like Leanda did I, I would definitely need way more training <laughs> but that's Leanda <laughs> and our last question we have it has nothing to do with Ultraman but we are dog fans here at the Iron Women podcast so can you tell can you both tell us about your dogs how they're doing oh, what, what kind of dogs they are um Jenny get- you can you can start well, I have a miniature Australian Shepherd, and her name is Dina. She's four years old. She's the love of my life, as you guys all know. <laughs> and uh, I don't have her, like, Leanna's going to get fondue, which is also her toy. Oh, I, I, I won't pick him. He's he's in a bad mood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he growls. Oh, oh there he is. <laughs> fondue. <laughs> hi, pup. Oh. Hey, hi. So another miniature Australian shepherd. Okay. I'm a a huge Australian. Oh, toy. Okay. So he's even smaller. I have a full size Australian shepherd sitting in my feet. Cowboy. Um, who's a big chunk cowboy, (laughs) like extra large size, (laughs) but, oh, thank you for fondue. Even when you're having a a not (laughs) super great thanks for coming on to the iron women podcast thank you so much leanda thank you jenny congratulations again to both of you such a huge accomplishment and um yeah let's get to work off offline let's get to work on this uh this fundraiser because we need to make this hawaii (laughs) showdown happen yeah that'd be awesome all right thanks guys it's been a fun podcast again this is a a tough tough event to do both financially and physically. And especially when you have a couple months to, to plan and prepare. So if you want to see Leanda and Jenny in, in Hawaii in November, racing that Ultraman along with so many other great competitors, you can head to that GoFundMe site, chip in a few dollars and really feel like you have contributed to this incredible entertaining event happening. I personally really hope it happens. Um, I am going to contribute as just like I want to like also maybe figure out how do we get like Jenny a satellite phone or something like that I know I was just about to say I would also like to contribute to the tracking updates or like whoever's going to need time to do Instagram or something send someone over there for that because if this happens which hopefully it will 
we are going to need all of the updates and like, yeah, I want to see it unfolding in live time. For well, sure. that was something that surprised me from that conversation with that Jenny didn't seem that stressed about putting out like the actual social media updates. And I was like, I'll be so stressed, but I'm like, if you're not great. Let's make it happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She's like clearly made for that job as a crew member. So, um, yeah, we will, I'm sure if, as this is hap- evolving, we'll keep our listeners posted and that will be a fun, uh, hopefully thing to look forward to for women's sports at Ultraman, all of that above in November. Yeah. And Alyssa, good luck to you. Stay warm in Scotland. Can't wait to hear all about it. Safe travels. I hope all your gear gets there. I mean, it sounds like you have about as much gear as you would for a triathlon. <laughs> yeah, I can pack. Um, I pack the bike around your, my like PFD and my paddles. So that's something a little bit different. Um, but you too, I will be, hopefully our, our bikes don't get mixed up or anything in transit because Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I don't need be a bad. Bike. You don't need a mountain bike for mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. definitely do not need a Quintana Roo time trial bike for the adventure race. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can. <laughs> I think that's a far shot from happening if that happens. Like the lottery, I can't believe really, we just put that in the. And you can you can you imagine if it did happen? Oh yeah, I opened it and paddles, like, <laughs> personalized paddles, and a dry suit, <laughs> and you have a cute kit. I know. <laughs> Oh, that'd be amazing. Okay. But Haley, good luck. And I can't wait to catch up with you on all the things. Uh, once we're back. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.